Hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Friday, June 10th, and this is episode number 138. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Uh, good to see you all again. Uh, I'm glad we finished out this week. It's been very volatile, a lot of whipsawing going on in the markets, and it ended it with, uh, with an extremely volatile day. Sold off pretty precipitously and ended the day actually decently well, all things considered, for uranium stocks. We'll look at the charts in just a moment, but first I want to take care of a couple pieces of housekeeping. First off, uh, Bloor Street Capital's Uranium Conference 4.0. This is a virtual conference. This is happening next week on Wednesday, June 15th. This is put on by my friend, James Connor, And um, I highly suggest that you register for this. It is free. I'm going to put the link in the show notes and in the description below. And there's a number of really, really great speakers, uh, myself included. Uh, also, John Champaglia from Sprott will be speaking. Grant Isaac from Cameco. Paul Moff from CGN. Uh, Phil Williams from Consolidated Uranium. Trevor Klingbill from Trade Tech, amongst others. And this is going to be a fantastic event. Like I said, it is free. And the link to register is going to be in the description. And you should do that right now. Pause the video and do it right now. All right. Uh, the other piece of uh, housekeeping, I will not be in back in my office until next Friday. That will be the 17th of June. So unfortunately, this will be a week coming up of no market minutes. And uh, But I will look forward to seeing you back here a week from today. That'll be Friday the 17th that I will be back um, doing some travel for business. Hopefully the markets will uh, hang in there and actually continue this decoupling that we're seeing. And I'll show you that in the charts as well. All right. So starting off with the daily scoreboard here, the spot price uranium slipping slightly today, probably being tra trading down following the action of the spot vehicle and the way that the trust is trading with the markets, generally speaking, it actually closed, I believe it closed in the green today, which is surprising, did sell off quite a bit, but it closed yesterday at a very uh, steep 7.27% discount to their net asset value. Yesterday, SPUT did not issue any new units or raise new money, nor did they buy any new pounds of uranium. So they're now still sitting on 110, over $110 million in cash. Their net asset value is back above $3 billion, so the trust is making a nice little recovery here over the past couple of weeks and sitting on a very chunky amount of cash. The ETFs, both ETFs uh, in, uh, issued some shares yesterday, or they reported that yesterday. Um, the share issuance actually likely happened on the big day that we saw. Let's see, that was two days ago, I believe, or maybe three days ago. When the DOE news came out, we saw a lot of volume come into the space. URA reported an increase of 250,000 shares. URNM, an increase of 125,000 shares. That led to a mandated buying of 13.1 million. So obviously that happened in real time on that day. And we could see that flywheel having its effect in the markets with the equities up 10, sometimes 15%. Uh, this is just a few days ago. Now, most of those equities gave up most, if not all of those gains over the past couple of days with the risk going back off. But it is what it is, and it makes a market. Okay, let's take a look at the charts. Let's actually start off here with the S&P 500 trading down heavily on increasing volume, down almost 3% on the day and closing at the lows, gapping down on the open. That obviously was in reaction to the CPI numbers that came in. Uh, the inflation numbers came in higher. 
than the market would have liked to have seen. And therefore, the market expects the Fed to remain hawkish because of these higher inflation rates. And now uh, the market reacts to that. So that's kind of the, the long and short of it, to put it extremely simply. And the S&P closing at the lows, not a great look here. I would not be surprised to see more downside uh, going forward in the broad market. Looking at URA actually traded okay, all things considered, down less than the broad market on a big down day. Typically, that's the opposite. We have outsized beta um, in, a, in a bearish market, and uh, we tend to outperform on the upside when, when things are moving in our direction. Either way, we did trade up, closed almost at the highs on the day after gapping down. Not too shabby, uh, not huge volume here. So clearly the sell-off was just kind of correlated with the broad market. Nothing really uranium-specific driving these moves. URNM down uh, slightly more, 2.22% also trading up on the day. There were some dip buyers happening. URNM relative to the S&P. This is a nicer looking chart outperforming the S&P today. Um, and, and like I said, typically we'll see on a big down day for the S&P that, that tends to cause downdrafts across the markets. But certain markets actually did relatively strong today. Precious metals finally woke up a bit today and uh, uranium did decently, all things considered. Cameco didn't quite get the memo today, down 2.37%. I expected this towards the close to trade back up, at least nearing the highs on the day, but printed a pretty indecisive candle here, a doji candle here. So we'll have to see where this goes next week. Overall, though, we are hanging in there. And I want to show you an interesting chart here. We're going to look at URNM relative to the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, aka the spot price. This is a kind of a curious chart. We've been in this kind of downward chop over the past few months. And we bottomed out uh, just the second week in May. Obviously, that was that big risk-off period late April into early May, where all the markets were risk-off. And we bottomed out there relative to the spot price. Now, the spot price has been moving up. And the equities have been moving up with it. Now, that's pulling back a little bit. I think this is really interesting here. It looks like we could be putting in a little bit of an inverse head and shoulders here. I know that's stretching it a little bit here, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the equities catch up here if we can get some risk back on in the markets. But like I mentioned with the broad markets with such a nasty close and those inflation numbers coming in high, I expect more volatility going forward. Okay, mailbag section. So this is a pretty short mailbag section. And this is basically, I've been asked this question about a dozen times since the news story came out last week of China discovering a extremely large uranium deposit at extremely deep depths. Okay, we're talking 10,000 feet deep. Now, keep in mind, this is using um, some geophysical technologies. This is not coming from a drill bit uh, necessarily. This is not a, a vast drill program to prove out this deposit. This is coming from surface surveys. And either way, they feel that they have found something significant. Now they're putting out massive, they're really calling their shot here, saying that they could have potentially 2 million tons of uranium. That's something like 5 billion pounds of uranium. Um, but this obviously is a very, 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 very long way away from even being proven out, let alone mined. This is 10,000 feet deep. This is two miles deep. Um, this is an unbelievably deep deposit if that deposit is what they say it is. So long, long term, could this turn into something for China? Absolutely. It absolutely could in the long term. Um, if this was anywhere else, I would be a lot more skeptical, but China is more, more likely than other countries to throw, uh, let's just say, 
slave labor and human suffering at something like this until they can get what they want out of the ground. Uh, that's not to say that that's going to happen anytime soon. I would not expect this to do anything to interrupt this bull market in uranium. So no, I am not concerned whatsoever, but something to keep our eye on, right? We'll see how this goes, see if they can actually get some drill bits down two miles deep and come up with a mining plan that is economic. You also have to consider the Chinese uh, have stakes in projects already in Namibia, in Canada. We've got a 20% stake in fission uranium. They have uh, a stake in Paladin. They have a stake in Rossing and they own the Husab mine. So they are very well established in, in Africa and there's plenty of development projects in Africa that they could also seek out. So they are going to have to weigh the economics of mining uh, a two mile deep underground mine um, relative to just taking out uh, a surface mineralization mine in the uh, low grade sands of Namibia. So um, not really concerned about this at all, but I wanted to address it because I've been asked so many times. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, I had a really interesting conversation today with a uh, CEO of a company in the uranium space. And um, he was reporting back on the Montreal conference, that, the World Nuclear Fuel Conference that just happened recently in Montreal. And uh, we were talking about the conversion market. And so we were just basically like, yeah, that seems really thin. I had mentioned in a uranium market minute about two or maybe three weeks ago that there was a, a large RFP. This is a request for proposal that was put out there by a utility, a non-US utility. Um, I, I apologize at the top of my head. I don't recall the, uh, the quantity, but it was chunky. It was a decent sized RFP and it went no offer. It went no offer that week. It went no offer the next week. It went no offer for a third week. The UF6 market, and these are his words, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep his anonymity here. His words, there's no UF6. Um, there, we need more conversion and we need to ramp that up and it's going to start drawing U308 into the conversion process right now. It's happening underneath our feet and the process takes a while. The process takes a while. It's very slow in the uranium market. Everything moves at glacial speeds. And so, um, but the UF6 market is unbelievably thin and so is the spot uranium market. Difference, spot uranium um, is always being mined, right? So you have two, maybe 3 million pounds of spot of uranium goes in the spot market on a monthly basis. That's not a huge amount, but something that, uh, you know, even the likes of Sput has been able to work through with ease over the past eight or nine months. But I just want to leave you with that note uh, going into the weekend. We have a very, very precarious uh, nuclear fuel cycle right now, very precarious. And it doesn't seem to be getting any clearer or any better for utilities in the short or the midterm here. We need to see investment going into the space and that that's going to happen and it's starting to happen. All right. Thank you for watching. I really do appreciate you all. One more reminder, click the link in the description below to register for, um, for James, Conner, James Connors, uh, Bloor Street Capital Uranium Conference 4.0 that's happening next week. It's free to attend. I will be speaking along with another, uh, another handful of very sharp, um, very brilliant uh, people within the uranium space. So I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for watching. I will see you one week from today for the next Uranium Market Minute. Have a great weekend. Cheers.